How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to more Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us. If you're new to the show, thank you for uh, checking us out. Your host is in studio with some special guest, Dr. David Hilden. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. It is uh, another steamy day today. It is a steamy day. What the heck? I went for a run yesterday, about died. That's maybe I shouldn't run. I told you, you can't can't do that. I know. I I went around uh, one of the Minneapolis lakes on a nice sunny day. It was me and about nine other people. Normally, there'd be a lot of people out there. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to talk about hernias today, Denny. You had little experience with that. I did. A lot of listeners to the show know that. In fact, people know more about me than they want to, probably. (laughs) Some, Some years ago, I darn near had the surgery in this WCCO studio. I had one of my colleagues at Hennepin do my own, and we talked about it then. That I don't even remember when that was, and you know why? It's because I forgot I had it. It's, it's, been, it's a non-issue. You know, it, the, the surgeons at Hennepin fixed me up, and I'm good. So, Excellent. Anyway, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it today for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I've been asked a lot, hey, I got a hernia. What should I do about it? B, I've been asked a lot, what is a hernia? And, and C, I want to talk about a special event coming up because we are going to be highlighting hernia surgery. And so I want you to get a pencil and paper ready to mark down the, this date. It is October 13th where we're going to do a special event in downtown Minneapolis for you, for your loved one who might have a, a hernia, think you do, want to, and want to learn more about it. And not only that, we're going to be showing off the latest technology in surgical equipment, but even more so than that, you're going to meet the surgeons who operate that technology. Um, uh, and so we're going to talk about hernia surgery um, today. We're going to talk about what it is, what you do about it. And to help me out, I do indeed have two surgeons from Hennepin with me, and I'll introduce them in just a moment. I did want to make a couple of comments on on, uh, on unrelated topics. First of all, if you missed the latest blog post, I talked about whether or not it is safe to have any alcohol, which sounds like a major buzzkill of a topic for a Sunday morning. But anyway, there was a new study out. Be careful of any term that starts out, any sentence that starts out, there was a new study. But there was a new study about alcohol use, and I I comment on it. Check it out at myhealthymatters.org. That's myhealthymatters.org. Secondly, I want to thanks to everybody who came out for our last uh, Here for Health series, which was just yesterday. We had a great turnout. We had a lot of my colleagues talking about women's health issues from physical therapy department, from cardiology, and from the mammography department. So thank you to everybody for coming. It was nice to meet some of you. And then thirdly, I just want to give a shout-out to the people suffering from the hurricane in the Carolinas 
and the typhoon in the Philippines. We are certainly um, supportive of you, and we are thinking of you. Okay, on to hernias. To help me out today, we've got Dr. Ashley Merrick. She is a surgeon at Hennepin Healthcare. She has special training in trauma and intensive care surgery. She also has um, uh, expertise in thyroid disease, parathyroid disease, and indeed in abdominal hernia repair. So we're going to talk about um, that. Welcome, Dr. Merrick. Good to have you. Thanks for having me, David. Um, this is Ashley's first time on the show, but we have a guy next to her who has been on um, in years gone by. This is Dr. John Crook. He also is a surgeon at Hennepin. He does um, laparoscopic surgery. He does um, uh, intestinal surgery, bariatric surgery, which is weight loss surgery. Um, he does trauma and emergency surgery and critical care. Thanks for being back, John. Thanks, David. All right, so we've got two hernia um, experts here in the room. I'm going to ask one of you, and you guys can do a coin flip of who's going to answer this. First of all, what is a hernia? So, David, a hernia is a defect in the abdominal wall. It can be anywhere um, in the abdomen. Um, the most common are the groin hernias, which is one of the things that um, you know, I hope we get a ch- chance to talk about today a little bit because that affects up to 27% of men about 5% of women. It's the most common hernia in both sexes, obviously a bit more in men. But really, it can be uh, almost anywhere in the abdomen. There's a few places where it happens spontaneously. And then if you've had a previous major abdominal surgery in, in the past, you may have a hernia in that incision, which could be giving you some difficulty. So it, you say it can be anywhere. Is it just a hole? It's essentially a defect in the, the uh, deepest part of the abdominal wall. So there's different layers, of course. There's the skin layer, then the subcutaneous fat layer, and then what's called the fascia. It's kind of like the supporting layer of the abdominal wall, kind of like the girders of a, of a, of a building. So in that fascia, there's an actual defect which allows the interabdominal contents to start to bulge through that defect. Is this what um, we were talking before the air is about the exam that some people done get done in the clinic room and – we were talking about how it isn't done as much anymore, but there's a whole lot of guys and probably women out there who remember the exam where the doctor says, turn your head and cough. Is that what they're looking for? That's generally looking for groin hernias. Okay. Is, and you said that's the most common place? That is the most common place. And, and they happen just all by themselves? Why do some people get them? Well, specifically groin hernias? Yeah. Well, so in men, um, it's all left over from how we're built. So our testicles developed up in our back. Before you were born, they descended down through what's called the inguinal canal, and that leads to an area of kind of congenital weakness. Mm. So coughing, laughing, lifting, living, um, you know, get constipated, pushed to have a hard bowel movement that bangs against that. And as I tell my patients, pressure and time, you know, a little creek by the name of the Colorado River made the Grand Canyon. Pressure and time can t- turn a little tiny hole into a pretty good-sized one. A pretty good-sized one. That's what I was experiencing. I remember that. So, um, Dr. Merrick, tell you maybe you could tell us, how do I know if I have one? I mean, how would a patient know? Well, sometimes you only know by going to the doctor and getting an exam, but some common symptoms are you'll either see or feel a bulge. Um, a lot of times it's after somebody does heavy lifting or strenuous activity. Um, you Sometimes people will feel pain in the groin without necessarily seeing a bulge. Um, sometimes it's not a hernia where, you know, that that's when you have to come in and get checked out, but sometimes it's, it's pain that they feel. Um, 
And that, that's really the most uh, common symptom that we see. Uh, more rarely do we get people that come in with a bulge that's very painful, tender, where the intestines are stuck in there. They're that doesn't you know, sound feeling good. sick. Yeah, that, that's more of an emergency, and that's much less common. So are they dangerous? Uh, just to have a, I, I have a little bulge. Let's just say I have a little bulge down in my groin area, my lower belly, around my belly button. I don't know. It's one of those places. Are they dangerous? That's a very good question. And the question I, or a conversation I have with my patients every time I see them in the clinic. Um, so I would say they can be dangerous, but it's really rare to progress to that point. Um, most patients that come in, you know, if they're, uh, if they have pain, if they have some tenderness, um, you know, we're going to fix it before it gets to the dangerous point. Um, people that have no symptoms, they get sent because they did the cough test with their doctor. Their doctor found the hernia. They never knew they had it. Um, they come into clinic. They say, I have a hernia. I didn't know. It's never bothered me. Then we have a conversation about whether or not it's dangerous and whether or not we need to fix it. And, and, and if they're not having any symptoms, you know, we'll say, you know, it's safe to watch if you don't want to have surgery. The chances of progressing to a dangerous situation is very low. I think most of the studies show around 0.5% chance over 10 years progressing to the point where you get the intestine gets stuck stuck out of the hernia, gets blocked, and you get sick. So that's the dangerous part. But that that's the not dangerous coming. part, yes. But they do they um, – is it possible that it could just go away? It will not go away without surgery. Okay. So, so that's the reason – Probably to do it. You got this yep. bulge. It doesn't feel good. You got this thing sticking out. It's unsightly. It's at least potentially could turn into something bad and it's not going away. That, is, that, is that a fair statement? It's just yes. never, So these aren't going to just resolve on It will own. not resolve. Okay. So that's when they come to see one of the two of you. And then you may or may not recommend a surgery, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, um, we are talking about hernia surgeries. We're talking about what they are. If you have questions um, for either of our surgeons, um, we will welcome your calls and your texts as well. And then I'm going to talk more about the event we have coming up. Uh, maybe we'll give those phone Let's lines do out. that now. Uh, and the, the lines are open. We've cleared the lines, 651-989-9226. Uh, or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. We're talking about hernias, hernia repair on the show this morning. Again, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Okay, so now we've got one of these things. Do we have time to keep – I have a little sure, more time. Sure, Denny? Okay, good. Um, so we, I've got one of these things. I've got this little bulge. I come to see one of you two. What are the surgical options? Who wants to tackle that one? So there's um, obviously a couple of different ways to fix this. As I kind of say, the old-fashioned way we've been doing it for many, many years, open repair. Um, of course, all these uh, surgeries would involve you going to sleep or some version of that so you're comfortable not feeling the surgery. Um, open surgery is, a, as I would say, is a direct attack. We make an incision right usually over the hernia, get down to the hernia, um, and then fix the hernia depending on what type of hernia it is, how big it is, what it involves. Um, the um, more recent advance, and I would say more like the last 15 years, is we've been using TV cameras to do lots of surgery, laparoscopic surgery. So if you've had your gallbladder out in the last 20 years, you've probably had it done with laparoscopic surgery. So laparoscopic surgery has been used um, for hernia repair. And essentially, now we have a third option, and I'd say it almost blends the two. Um, uh, we use a surgical robot. And the surgical robot, as I like to say, so I've been, doing, I've been in practice now almost 17 years. Uh, for most of those 17 years, I've been doing these laparoscopic surgeries. Uh, it's hard to show on the radio, but I, it's the, the instruments we use are long. They essentially 
grab things without um, any wrist or elbow. Are they like big, long-handled pliers or something? Essentially, they're, they're, long, they're long and skinny so they can fit through the, the tiny like little Like a ports. scissors on the end of a long, long handle? Exactly. Okay. And uh, now, uh, for the last at least um, uh, almost a year now, I've got a wrist back. Um, the laparoscopes that we use um, project a nice, very nice image. It's you know high definition TV now. Um, now with the robot, we actually get three dimensional imaging. So, you, so you both do this robotic yes. surgery. We're going to talk a lot about that because I've been at Hennepin also like Dr. Kirk. I don't know, fifteen, eighteen years, something like that. And this is newer to me too. We got it in the in the in the last year or two. And so that is kind of a lot about the future of surgery. We're going to be talking a lot about the robot. And I do have to ask, were you guys good at video games when you were growing up? <laughs> I never got video games as a kid. <laughs> I'm awesome at video games. Are you awesome at video games? Because, you know, you're looking at – you're using robots and TV screens and holy cow – um, yeah, maybe there's hope for all of you parents <laughs> of your kids who are playing video games. He could be a surgeon. There you go. All right. We're getting calls and text messages. Uh, if you uh, have a question about hernias, hernia repair, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about hernias, hernia repair on the show today. That's our topic. If you have a question about it, call us or text us 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Let's go to the phones. Lorraine has been waiting there in Shakopee. Go ahead, Lorraine. Doctors are listening. Uh, yes, I have a hiatal hernia. I want to know how uh, what caused it. And what to do about it? Well, I have to cut my food up very fine, and I can feel it going down the food going down my esophagus all the way down to my stomach what uh What can I do about that what What caused it mainly? Thank you for your call, Lorraine. Dr. Crook, you want to take that one? Sure, absolutely. So a hiatal hernia it is a little different than what we've been talking about. It's actually a hernia from one space inside the body to another space, and that's probably actually a better explanation of a hernia, one space to another space. The most common is abdominal wall to the outside, but a hiatal hernia is a hernia between the abdominal cavity and the thoracic cavity. So we all have a little defect in our, in our diaphragm where the esophagus uh, runs through. Um, over time, uh, the stomach can start to push against that and that can widen and therefore the stomach can start to slide up into the thoracic cavity a little bit, and that's what a hiatal hernia is. Is that a dangerous situation? Um, they can get actually quite large very rarely, so that uh, a good chunk and sometimes even all the stomach can go up into the abdomen. So your stomach's cavity. up in your chest? Up in the chest, correct. Wow, that doesn't sound good. I talked to a lady this week who uh, gets uh, faint when she eats because her entire stomach is behind her heart pushes on the left atrium of the heart and causes it not to fill so well. Yeah. So Lorraine called and says she has to chop up her food really small. Is that due to the hernia or is that from some other? I mean, I know you can't say for sure with her, but would that be a common symptom of a hernia, of that, a hiatal hernia? That would be um, something definitely that I would spend some time getting a lot more um, history around. And there are tests that I'd want to see to see exactly what's causing that. But it's possible if the hernia is large enough that that could be causing those issues and if it's at that point, you know, really a lot of hiatal hernias can be watched. You know, sometimes if there's uh, reflux associated with it, medication can control that. 
But once you're getting that significant, if it is due to the hernia, then we, being surgeons, should probably fix it. Yeah, there's a text question about that. I just, along those lines, um, I've been told I have a hiatal hernia. It's too small to worry about at this time. So that must be the truth that you don't have to immediately go and fix hiatal hernias, like just yeah. like in the abdominal ones. I would say, you know, much greater than 95% of them will never cause anybody any any trouble or require surgery in their lifetime. But there's a, there's a, a small percentage that do. Okay. Thank you for your call, Lorraine. And we have um, lots of calls and text messages. Um, Before we go um, to the next one, I want to ask you a little bit more. Let's talk a little bit more about the types of hernia operations. There's a couple texts, actually, that get into that as well. So, Dr. Kirk, you talked about the open one where where you open somebody up, and you talked about laparoscopic, which is where you do it on TV monitors with long instruments. And then you talked about the robot. Could we talk a little bit more about that last one? Because that's what... um, you know, it's what people ta- are talking about and about the new robotic methods of surgery. And I understand we do that at Hennepin. Dr. Merrick, do you want to talk about how does it work? Um, well, so the basically the doing the robotic surgery is similar um, to laparoscopic surgery for the patient. We make three little holes on the abdominal wall about the size of the fingertip. That's a lot. Um, long enough to put the uh, robotic instruments through. And then for the robotic surgery, we the surgeon steps away from the patient and goes to what we call the console, and they control... Which is only feet from the patient. We're not say, yes. you're, you're, not in, you're not in your office with your feet up. No. You're in the room. <laughs> we are in the room next to the patient. Yeah. And, um, and then we basically control the, you know, the arms, and we control the instruments and, and do the surgery. And like Dr. Crook said, the difference between the robot and laparoscopy is that there are wrists. So now it's, it's actually the wrist on the robot has a, a greater range of motion than my own wrist. And uh, we're able to sew like we can open. So, you know, when we, we do open surgery, we, we put our hands on the tissues. We do everything, you know, with our hands. So we can sew um, and, uh, and I think prevent some of the pain that can be associated with some of the um, laparoscopic techniques. So when you say wrist, when you are doing a laparoscopic procedure, it is a, you mean literally it's a long instrument that can't bend like your wrist like your wrist yeah dr crook showing us yep. his wrist like it's bending like at the wrist a pac-man at the end of a long a long okay instrument. that's what dr merrick's doing so if you take your just outstretched hand and your your hand go you can open it but that's not as versatile as if you could bend at the yep. wrist and the robot allows that so I, it, that's fantastic it's really a blending of the old-fashioned and the new so anything that we can do open you know tur- turning our wrists looking around corners it's a lot easier to do that with the robot and we have this at Hennepin. We do. Okay, so I, I do want to alert people if you joined us late, and we are going to go to calls and texts in a moment here, but if you joined us late, October 13th, we have a special event. If you are interested in hernias, maybe you have one, maybe you're considering your options. Well, if you want to learn for, uh, uh, at a free event from the people who do it, if you want to see the robot, we're going to show it to you. Now, we're not going to let you actually operate it on a human being, but we're going to show it to you. Um, the surgeons are going to be there. It is October 13th, Saturday, October 13th, 9 to 11 a.m. at our clinic and specialty center. Both Dr. Crook and Dr. Merrick will be there. These two good surgeons will be there to talk about the ways a hernia can be surgically repaired. You'll see the Da Vinci robotic surgery system, and you can participate if you want. It'll be an optional screening discussion with one of the doctors. So... October 13th at 9 a.m. Sign up at hennepinhealthcare.org slash hernia. That's spelled H-E-R-N-I-A. 
HennepinHealthcare.org slash hernia. And I will give that information again later. We have time to go to the phone. Yeah, let's do that. Lisa in New Brighton has uh, been waiting. Lisa, you're on CCO. Oh, my goodness. Am I glad I woke up to hear both of you today. I have um, an abdominal hernia. It's actually an umbilical hernia. It started about four or five years ago. I was just watching it. No problem. Now it's just gotten unsightly big. And I've seen two different surgeons, and they are both talking about doing open and they would do the incision right over the hernia. And they're both talking about putting in a mesh um, between the skin and the fascia, it's called, I think. Um, And I'm wondering, does that migrate, or can you get infection in that? What's the um, outcome of that kind of a surgery? Um, And then they both talked about putting a drainage tube in, I'd go home with a drainage tube because evidently there's some kind of something called a surnoma or something that once you push that in, the the um, abdominal cavity wants to come back out, so they want to drain that out of there. Um, I'm just wondering, can general surgeons do this, or should I be looking for a specialist in this area? I'm, I'm going to let Dr. Merrick answer all that. I, and we might not get to all of your answer, Lisa, so I do want to encourage you to listen after the break in case we need to finish. Dr. Merrick? All right, so I think I can answer all of your questions. So uh, the first questions are yes and yes to can it get infected and can the mesh migrate? Um, uh, I would say it's I would say not migrate, but the mesh sometimes can slip and the hernia can recur around the mesh. Um, that's something that happens, you know, not commonly, maybe less than around five to ten percent of cases, um, but that can happen. Mesh can get infected. That also is uncommon, but it is a, a complication of hernia surgery. Um, repairing it open with mesh for an umbilical hernia is my preferred way of of doing it. Um, depending on how big it is, sometimes you would do it laparoscopically, but if it's a small hernia. Um, making a small incision over the top can be about the same size as a laparoscopic port. So open is a good way to repair those types of hernias. And then depending on the size of the hernia, if it's so small you can't get a fingertip in, then making it bigger to put in a piece of mesh usually isn't helpful. But um, if it's big enough, then mesh is going to decrease the risk of it recurring. All right. I'll tell you what. After the break, let's talk about the drain. We'll do that. Sure. We'll carry on. We have another half hour of the show to go. So uh, join in. And good morning. Welcome to this uh, edition of Healthy Matters. We're talking this morning, zeroing in on hernias, hernia repair. And uh, if you just join us, boy, you can. You mentioned, uh, Dr. Hildum, the popular topic. We get a lot of calls, a lot of text messages. And maybe for those folks that joined us late, who did you bring with you today? Thank you, Danny. We indeed are talking about hernia, and I'm not going to talk too much right now because we have so many listeners with good questions um, that we're going to get to. I have Dr. John Crook. And I have Dr. Ashley Merrick, two surgeons, both of whom can do your uh, hernia surgeries, uh, among other types of surgeries, but we're talking about hernia today. Um, If you uh, were listening to the first half of the show, I want to remind you, you can meet both of these surgeons. You can ask your questions directly about hernias, and you can get a demonstration of what robotic hernia surgery looks like from the people who do it. That event is on Saturday, October 13th. 9 to 11 a.m. at the Clinic and Specialty Center in downtown Minneapolis. Parking will be free. Um, it's a great event. That is Saturday, October 13th, 9 to 11 a.m. at the downtown Clinic and Specialty Center of Hennepin Healthcare. For more information, go to hennepinhealthcare.org forward slash hernia. 
H-E-R-N-I-A, hennepinhealthcare.org slash hernia. Um, before we get into a lot more conversation, Dr. Merrick, you were talking about, I think it was Lisa's question. She had had an abdominal hernia, and you gave a great response to um, some of the things she might want to know. But she also talked about sometimes a surgeon puts in a drain. Is that a common thing? Or, or what, could you comment on that? I just don't want to leave that little bit hanging. Yeah, that's a, a great question. So um, a drain, so so a hernia is basically, you know, like Dr. Crook said, it's when something goes into a space where it's not supposed to be. And so basically uh, an abdominal wall hernia goes into the subcutaneous tissue, the tissue below the skin and makes a space. So if you can imagine when you push all that back into the abdomen, there's a space in that area. And just like a blister fills with fluid, that can also fill with fluid. And so if the hernia is big enough, um, it can create something called a seroma. And sometimes when it's larger, a surgeon will choose to leave a drain to help prevent that from forming. Great. Um, Before we go to the phone lines, I'm going to ask you um, a a couple of quick text questions so we don't miss some of those because there's a lot. Um, Here's one that says, is there any correlation between a colonoscopy and developing a hernia? No. Uh, Colonoscopy, of course, is a very common uh, diagnostic or screening test uh, most of us get after the age of 50 or or 45. There's some controversy there, as you know, David. Right. Um, um, So, no, there shouldn't be. How about this question? Um, What is the downtime for hernia surgery? I I guess they mean recovery time or... I don't know if that means intraoperatively. And do they use mesh in combination with robotics? So downtime is very important to talk about. So these more minimally invasive techniques, laparoscopic and robotic, there's less damage to the the sensitive part of you. Of course, your skin is, when you cut it, it has lots of nerves. So if your incisions are smaller, uh, your recovery time is going to be faster because you'll have less pain. Um, typically um, within about two weeks um, of a laparoscopic or robotic repair, you should be able to get back to most of your normal activities. Uh, depends, of course, on the hernia and the size of it. Um, mesh is interesting. Uh, mesh is used for most hernias now. Uh, mesh was developed 30, 40, 50 years ago, mainly to drop recurrence rates, meaning hernias coming back. No one likes to get a surgery and then have to have it again. And recurrence rates in some surgical techniques were as high as 30, 40 percent that they would come back. They'd come back, yeah. Um, so we, with mesh, have dropped that almost tenfold. Um, unfortunately, like anything in medicine, everything's got a good side and everything's got a bad side. Mesh, um, if it is an implanted uh, foreign body, implanted foreign bodies like. Does it look like window screen? It can. Somebody yeah. told me, you know, what does it look like? I've never that's seen the, it. That's I, I, the most commonly used is what's called proline mesh, which has been around for 50 years. That does look like window screen. But there are other meshes that don't quite look like that. Um, it, um, but it's used in all in most of the hernia surgeries, regardless yeah. of the technique you're using? Most, most hernia surgeries, if I'm, I'm doing a small uh, belly button or umbilical hernia that's so small that I'd have to make it bigger to put mesh in, uh, I may just put a stitch in that. Um, but most other hernias, yes, we're using mesh. Okay. Um, here's a question about, um, oh, and I've lost it. It was from Don. Don is um, 82 years old. Oh, here it is. Um, I am 82 years of age with a hernia near my belly button. Am I too old for surgery? That's a great question. Um, I would say no. Um, if it's bothering you and, and, and your health would not be prohibitive to doing the surgery, then uh, you're not too old for surgery. 
So, should we get back to the phones? Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text number, by the way, is eight one eight zero seven. Marion in Cambridge has been waiting. Marion, thank you. What's your question? Would you discuss the McVeigh technique that was used years ago? And secondly, I had laparoscopic surgery, and a year later got an umbilical hernia from it. So there are lots of different um, named repairs. Uh, us surgeons really like sticking our names on things. Um, so uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing. I'm still made. waiting for the crook procedure. Yeah, we're still working on that one. Yeah, uh, this is Dr. Crook if you just joined uh, us. So um, the McVeigh procedure was a procedure done without mesh. Um, the problem with the McVeigh procedure is you're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. You're doing uh, mobilization of, um, of certain parts to close the, over the hernia. And the recurrence rates really when we followed those long term were higher than what we're doing now. So it's something that we're currently not doing anymore. Um, the um, second question was and a, a hernia following a lap an oh, abdominal yes. hernia following a laparoscopic procedure. So um, especially a laparoscopic procedure where you're taking something out, say a gallbladder. You obviously have to get the gallbladder out. That's usually done near the belly button. So that small incision that they made for the TV camera most likely had to get widened to get the gallbladder out. They then repaired that. And just like any other incision on the abdominal wall, that has a rate of later hernia. Here's a question about named surgeries, about something that somebody had done in Canada. So I'm going to read this one to you. I have no idea what it is. I'm hoping one of the two of you does. My husband had a hernia surgery in Toronto called the shoal dice method. Why is it not used in the Twin Cities? Used a metal suture, not mesh. Well, similar to McVeigh, that that was prior to mesh. Um, the Scholdice Clinic in Toronto is, believe it or not, still around. Um, Dr. Scholdice um, is passed many years ago, um, but he developed a technique where um, you would um, fix a inguinal hernia or a groin hernia without mesh and with the wire suture, just like you mentioned. Um, the problem with that one as well, you're also borrowing from Peter to Bay Paul. You actually have to tear the entire floor of the of the inguinal canal apart to put it back together. And long-term recurrence rates, once again, are higher than what we get now. Hmm. All right. Thank you. Let's go to the phones. All right. Very good. Frank is calling from St. Paul with a question. Go ahead, Frank. Thank you. Last May, I had you know, lingering hernia. Um, uh, they put the mass in, uh, in there, the small, but, you know, uh, previously, you know, in March, I had perp done, you know, for the prostate. Now, uh, what happening this morning, I get a pain when they have a hernia, you know, surgery, and I have a problem with my, you know, prostate too, you know, my, uh, my urethra has been in airing. I'm glad, you know, somebody said that, you know, that the mash move, okay, migrate. And I'm having pain. I went last month, you know, to, to the surgeon office, and they, they do the CT scanning, and they says your hernia is fine. But it is that long that I still have pain, you know, uh, around the surgery area, and I have, you know, problem uh, uh, with my, you know, urethra. It keeps, you know, closing up. 
So I was just thinking, I just want to confirm this. Is this, you know, mesh move up to that? And I made sure before going the you know, hernia surgery, uh, I asked my primary doctor, you know, they said, no, no, these are two different things. They should not interfere each other. But well, that's, a, that's a good question, Frank. I think um, the, the thing that I would say is when I talked about the mesh moving, it's, it's more of the mesh moving and the hernia recurring, um, you know, where the mesh kind of slips away. Um, chronic pain after hernia. First of all, did you have an open or a, a laparoscopic hernia repair? Open. Open. Okay. So um, the mesh in an open repair um, isn't close to the prostate, so probably not related to those symptoms. But um, chronic pain after hernia repair is a known entity. It's anywhere from 0.5 to 4% of patients. Um, and, and, you know, we get the seat. It's, it's one of those difficult things for us as surgeons because, you know, we get the CT scan, everything looks okay. And sometimes it just takes time, rest, ice, um, every now and then we'll refer somebody for a pain inje- for a nerve injection or something like that to help with the pain. Like, like I was saying before, you know, advances in medicine will fix one problem and maybe we'll create another. So we drop the recurrence rate tenfold, but then now in a, you have to use an implanted object that has a, a small chance of causing pain long. But you said it's less than five percent. Is that what you said, Ashley? Yes. So that's a, those are pretty good odds, but it's not zero. It's not zero. Frank, thank you for your call. We have to take a break. Just a quick one. We have more show to come, so don't go. We were talking about hernia, hernia repair here on the show. In the Twin Cities, 74 degrees. We're heading for 92. You stay tuned to CCO. Hi, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about hernia, hernia repair on the show today. And doctors, we have uh, some callers. Let's see if we can do that before we run out of time. Uh, who is next? Shirley is calling from Brooklyn Park. Shirley, you're on CCO. What is your question, please? Uh, yes, I have a 58-year-old son who has a navel hernia. It's rather small, but he's had it for many years. I'm wondering if lifting something like a, 50, a 40-pound bag of salt from a vehicle down the steps into a water softener would cause that to strangulate or do something bad for him? It, it could. <laughs> um, what I advise patients when they have small hernias that are minimally symptomatic, like it sounds like your son's is, I tell them, you know, live your, live your life. Um, if it's really bothering you, we can fix it. Um, belly button hernias, umbilical hernias that are small, it's, it's pretty uncommon to get intestine that gets poked out. Usually it's um, intra-abdominal fat, so it would be rare that it would cause something catastrophic. Um, but he, the answer is he could make it worse, uh, but I would probably advise him to do the things that he wants to do. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Tom in Roseville will be our last caller. Go ahead, Tom. Hi. Uh, I have a softball size hernia that comes from surgery 14 years ago. You know, it uh, really doesn't bother me, but just in the last 10 days, a small hernia has appeared right next to it. Now, uh, I had uh, burst appendix and serious complications. I even had uh, napertizing fasciitis. And I'm wondering, uh, the surgeons have told me that they can fix this, but with my medical history, uh, my main doctor said, well, 
let's leave it alone. Well, we've got, we're almost out of time, uh, Tom. Uh, doctors, do you want to respond uh, to, uh, I know you can generally respond. Yeah, so having a, a surgery where there's major infection will put you at risk for a hernia. There are other things um, as well that can put you at higher risk for hernia, such as being overweight, smoking cigarettes, because uh, that can affect the healing process uh, after surgery. Um, if they're not bothering you, they may not need to be repaired, but that's something definitely you should bring to your doctor's attention. And, uh, you know, it would be good to see a surgeon. We have just a teeny bit of time left. I want to ask, uh, see if one of you could take this text question. I have had many surgeries, and now my stomach's expanded to the size of a basketball. I've been recommended not to have surgery, but recommended to lose weight and continue to use an abdominal belt. Do you have a Do you have a belt that could work better and not put as much pressure on my back? I've been wearing a belt since 2007. I'm 76 otherwise in good health. I don't know anything about belts. Can you talk about that? I don't know that I am an expert on belts. Yeah, it could be a either. binder. Yeah, yeah. So, like a binder. Uh, yeah, we use um we use we have a medical kind of a big elastic binder that patients wear. Um, they can be itchy and kind of uncomfortable. I often um, tell my female patients that if you go to the lingerie section at Target or Walmart, you can get supportive like shorts or underwear that can sometimes help um, um, with that. So. All right. We're going to um, be almost out of time here. And thank you for all of the listeners who have called and text. There were uh, more than we could get to. So I'm sorry. We do our best to get to as many as we can. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your um, text message. I want to thank my guests, Dr. Ashley Merrick and Dr. John Crook, both outstanding surgeons at one of the what I would call one of the region's best departments of surgery at Hennepin Healthcare. And I can say that without bias. I'm not a surgeon. Um, So um, they're great at what they do. If you want to learn more from them directly, if you have more questions about hernia, maybe you have one. Maybe you want to take a look at this robot that we've been talking about. We have it, and we have an event for you to do just that. It's October 13th, Saturday, 9 to 11 a.m., um, it's free. Parking's free, and you can meet these two good surgeons and get a little demonstration. of. Um, uh, we ask that you go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash hernia to RSVP, but again, it's free. hennepinhealthcare.org slash hernia, and that is on October 13th from 9 to 11 a.m. It's a great way to spend a Saturday morning and get some information. What are we going to be doing on the next Sunday show? I've tapped my med school colleague, John Sweet, our allergist, to come back. He's uh, maybe the most uh, common guest we have on the show. John and I sat next to each other in med school. We're going to talk about allergies. All right, that'll be next week on Healthy Matters. We hope you uh, you join us then. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 